Hi, I'm Shona. And I'm Craig. And this is London by Lockdown, a travel podcast about falling in love with the new city in strange times, remaining curious and open, enjoying everyday discoveries and making it work. Some people think little girls should be seen and not heard, but I think... Oh, bondage! Up yours! One, two, three, four! So, it's late November. We're in lockdown 2.0, possibly until December. Oh, at least. At least. And it's winter. It's cold and it's dark. So what better time to catch up on our doco watching? Exactly. This episode, we're doing a collaboration with the very brilliant Speaking Volumes. They've been working with producer Lucy Hanna to dig into the BBC Arena archives. It's a doco series that's been going forever, forever. I think is the technical <laughs> time span. And they've been inviting artists to respond and reflect on these docos. It's been awesome. Through that series, we've been introduced to writers like Ewan McColl, Andrea Dunbar and Linton Kwesi Johnson. Yeah, and even places, different places around England that I hadn't known anything about. So that was great. And yep. particularly working class artists as well, who I'd never really heard of. And there was also one about bananas. The one about bananas <laughs> was so good. It wasn't it? It was crazy. So look, when Shamila... Shamila from Speaking Volumes, Shamila. <laughs> aka first official friend of London by Lockdown. <laughs> yeah. When she put us on to this 1979 doco, Who is Polystyrene? We were pretty sure we'd learn something, especially since we had no idea who Polystyrene was or who X-Ray Specs were, her band. When I think London punk, I think angry young white men in tartan trousers. <laughs> they seemed to be big at the time. They did. But in this doco, we meet a whip-smart, softly spoken female artist wearing go-go dresses day-glow colours and sometimes like this crazy army helmet and stuff like that. So not what you were thinking at all, not what we were expecting. On top of all that, she had this really, really deep love of nature. She's a South Londoner, grew up in Brixton, which is in Lambeth about an hour's walk from here. And through the doco, we've just become fascinated by who she was and how she saw the world. So... This episode is all about polystyrene, punk pioneer, not the synthetic aromatic hydrocarbon polymer. Aromatic? <laughs> yeah, it's a thermoplastic. <laughs> Does Wikipedia get a credit for that one? Oh, I don't know. Not only are we looking back at this incredible punk prophetess, but we're also exploring why her music feels and sounds so incredibly relevant today, 40 years on. And we've got a bit of help. Sadly, Polly passed away almost a decade ago, but her daughter, Celeste. My name is Celeste Bell. I am a writer and a filmmaker, and I also teach. And fellow musician, Rhoda. My name is Rhoda Dakar. I have been a professional singer for 40 years. I started my career with an all-female band called The Body Snatchers in 1980. They're going to be helping us tell Polly's story. We also hear from Polly, uh, not just her music, but we hear some archive audio from interviews and stuff as well. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 11, Polly Styrene, Indisposable Punk. My mind is like a plastic bag. Polly Styrene was... Just as much as it was my mum, it was also someone alien to her. It was someone that she created. My mother was a multidisciplinary artist, most well known for fronting the punk band X-Ray Specs. 
which she formed in 1976 when she was about 19 years old. She was an accomplished writer and she did all the artwork for the band. She chose polystyrene because it reflected the themes she was exploring in her art. Some people see punk in a different way. They don't see it as a necessarily just like a music scene from the 70s. They see it as a whole like kind of rebellious spirit. And if you see it that way, then maybe she continued to be quite punk throughout her life. I drove my polypropylene car on wheels of sponge, then pulled into a wimpy bar to have a rubber bun. I clambered over mounds and mounds of polystyrene foam, then fell into a swimming pool filled with fairy snow and watched the world turn day glow. It was just something that was really popular amongst punks. If you were going to call yourself a punk, you kind of had to have a pseudonym and it had to be a bit ridiculous. My mum was definitely playful with her choice, but it was really well thought out because she wanted to write this album focusing on modernity and the synthetic culture as she saw it. As an artist, as a performer, if you have a character, if you create a persona, it's actually much easier to put yourself out there. She was a great performer, but she was also very nervous about getting on stage. It she didn't necessarily come naturally to her. It gave her a lot of anxiety. So I think having that character, it just enables you to do what most people would find really nerve-wracking. And the, the character to that definitely helps. It's dark and eerie and it's really late. Come on, kids, don't hesitate. We're going down to the underground. The subterrain is a bottomless pit. The vinyl vultures are after it. Molten lava, sulfur vapours smoulder on to obliterate us. If you got the urge, come on, let's emerge. 77 was like the big year for punk, really. The big kind of media year, anyway. In about 76, I first met the Sex Pistols. A friend of mine, she got us to go to this club in Soho called Louise's, which was a quite well-known lesbian club. It was where all the kind of proto-punks, I suppose, at that point they were, really, because we were still dancing to disco. That's where I met people like Susie Sue, Steve Severin, Berlin, Bowie Simon, Little Debbie, all the names and faces of the punk scene all used to go to this club. I was involved in punk as a an observer, not a casual observer, but an observer. Probably 75 we first went there. You know, those people, especially Sue, was already dressing like Sue back then, before punk, and then punk started to happen. Then we stopped going to Louise's and started going to the Roxy because there was a venue to go to then. On stage I'm one thing and off stage I'm something else. But most people are not. They just perform all the time. So when punk came around, my mum just happened to be on that scene already. She was living in Fulham when it all started. And the early punks, a lot of them, like my mum, were into glam rock and things like that before. So my mum was a big fan of David Bowie and also Mark Bolan, T-Rex. I would say punk was something that the cool kids were into. My mum was definitely a cool kid. So she just got it immediately and she loved the energy. There were things about it she didn't really like. 
the aesthetic, the leather and the bondage and zips and all of that. And that's why she did something really different with X-ray specs visually. It was all about colour and day glow and bright. Essentially in Britain in the 60s and 70s, it was really mainly kind of white musicians doing rock music. Mainly men, there were very few women. That was the reason why my mum wasn't, you know, a massive rock fan. Her early influences were a lot of ska music. Let me get this right. I think, you know, the Scatolites and artists like that. The Ethiopians, and they all had these really cool names. And Motown, and then a lot of female singer-songwriters. Joan Armatradin, Carol King, Joni Mitchell, artists like that. Those were my mum's main influences, most of the punks, including my mum, were really into reggae. From the start, there was a crossover between punk and reggae. So people like Don Letts would have been DJing at the Roxy and then there would have been reggae music at the Roxy as well as punk music. So it was pretty white and it was male, but everything was. And I would say punk maybe was more open compared to other genres of rock music at that time. That's 15. And I went and got a job buying clothes for the shops, but I was just sort of learning a junior. Then I left home, and then I just went hitching all right around England. I just felt that I wanted to do something else, and I didn't know what I wanted to do exactly. And so I just thought I'd just go away and just think about things by myself. Then I thought I wanted to be in a band. So I just decided to get a band together. I just put an advert in Melody Makeup. Well, that's little young punks wanting to stick it together. And then that's just how it started. The thing is, especially back then in the 70s, being mixed race meant that you had to make your own space because you weren't welcoming anybody else's. So you had to decide the space where you felt comfortable and actually just occupy it because you weren't welcome in a traditional the traditional kind of black spaces and traditional white spaces so you that's i guess that's why we kind of we were out there with the freaks you know we're out there on the edge with the freaks because they accepted us for who we were and uh, we could be who we wanted and we didn't have to be um we didn't have to conform because the only way you could be part of something being mixed race back then was by conforming to a stereotype and I was never really prepared to do that and clearly neither was Polly. Thank, thank goodness, thank goodness, she wasn't prepared to, to conform to it either. It's like somebody said, are you polystyrene? And I said, no, I'm real, I'm a person. At one stage, I mean, I was much more absorbed by being polystyrene and playing that role because I liked the character and I thought it was fun but now I'm not into it that so I'm much more like just marrying Elliot. Identity is the crisis can't you see when you look in the mirror do you see yourself do you see yourself on the tv screen do you see yourself in the magazine when you see yourself does it make you scream when you look in the mirror, do you smash it quick? Do you take the glasses? A lot of people think my mum was anti-consumerist or anti-capitalist because of her lyrics, but she wasn't really anti-anything. I don't think she ever went on a march or a protest, or she wasn't politically engaged. She was just fascinated by everything rather than being concerned necessarily. 
that did change later on. But in the early stage, I mean, she was enjoying consumerism as well as being concerned about its direction. Whatever you're buying for your home, look in yellow pages first. You'll find what you're looking for so much quicker. I got my name from the yellow pages. She had a very complex relationship with it. Being a singer, having a band, being famous, successful, these were all things she wanted when she was young. And then I think the reality of it was not necessarily what she expected. And it was exhilarating, but at the same time, it was really psychologically damaging for her. And that's why she broke up the band after the first album. She suffered with very serious mental health difficulties during that time and then also afterwards. She always was really conflicted about it, but ultimately it's all she knew and it's all she ever did. She was a, a singer-songwriter and an artist and that's what she did and she continued to make music in subsequent years, even if the themes kind of changed. You don't stop being an artist, even if it's not an easy life. There are certain times when you think, oh, you just want to hide, you know, you just don't want people to start looking at you or see you or anything like that. You just want to be on your own. I don't like to throw these words around like visionary, you know, but my mum was so plugged in to what was going on and had these kind of observational skills that were really great for when she was writing songs actually became very overwhelming for her. She was so sensitive to things that most people are not. And that level of sensitivity enabled her to do great things, but it caused her a lot of anxiety. I'm my mother's child, but I was brought up in a completely different world than she was. My mum was born in Bromley in 57. At that time, it was a very white suburb of London. My grandmother left because she had two mixed-race children and she moved to Brixton because she felt it would be more tolerant. My mother grew up in an estate between Kennington and Brixton. She went to school in Stockwell. Then in the mid-70s, she actually moved to Fulham. That's where she was living with her manager, who was also her partner. Fulham at the time was the place to be because the Fulham end of the King's Road is where... Vivian Westwood had her store, sex, and my mother also had a stall on the Beaufort Market where she sold her own handmade jewellery and clothes, secondhand clothes and things like that. So it was re a really good place to be. It was the epicentre of cool at that time. Growing up in Brixton had a huge impact on my mum's creativity. Brixton was one of the few, let's say, multicultural neighbourhoods in London at the time. London wasn't anywhere near as diverse as it is now. I still wouldn't mind furthering my education properly and finishing it off when I'm a bit older. And science interests me quite a lot more than it. Science and biology, basically because of the future possibilities of those areas. And growing up in those circumstances with real hardship and prejudice inspired my mother's work. It kind of gave her the fire that she needed to do what she did in the first place, to start her own band. She was formed by that environment, but in many ways she was eager to escape it, and art was a route out. She actually ran away from home when she was 15. She dropped out of school and she toured the pop festivals, kind of hangover again from the 60s and that hippie thing 
my mother was really attracted to that. So she left Brixton at 15 and travelled around the countryside, squatting, living in fields, swimming in rivers and things like that. She had a complicated relationship with London as a whole, not just Brixton. She was always quite eager to escape the urban grimness, (laughs) as it were, and always looking for something more colourful, more vibrant. I chose the name polystyrene because it's a lightweight, disposable product. My mum had strength, but she was incredibly fragile. And fortunately, I think I was more resilient. I think also because society was quite different when my mum was a child. When I was growing up, I didn't have to face the same challenges. So, for example, my mum growing up being mixed race and the level of racism she experienced, I never had to deal with even a fraction of what she dealt with. I was never really conflicted about my identity in the same way that she was. Also, I grew up in this kind of Hare Krishna environment, which was extremely multicultural. The whole philosophy is very much about being colorblind. You're not your body, you're a spirit soul. All of Whereas in the 50s, people were still talking about miscegenation and racial mixing as being a crime. When I lost my mother, really, I felt like A part of me was lost forever because she was just so central in my life. Even though I didn't live with her for a large part of my childhood, I was actually brought up by my grandmother. My mum was still probably the most central figure in my life. She was such a larger-than-life person in both positive and negative aspects. So when she passed away, it was very sudden. It was just such a shock to my whole system. It was really quite tough to get through that. What I find really valuable or a real comfort is that everything that I have of hers, whether that's just physical things like her artwork or her lyrics or just memories, all of these things combine to keep her alive. So she's very much still alive and present in my life. She's still this kind of dominating figure, even though she's not here anymore. She feels very present still. So, yeah, I'm I'm really fortunate in that way. My mind is like a switchboard with crossed and tangled lines, contented with confusion that is plugged into my head. I don't know what's going on. It's the operator's job, not mine, I said. My mother was, in many ways, a prophetess. She was able to see into the future, in a sense, and I guess that's just because she was really good at observing what was going on around her at the time. She was able to predict the way things were going. She did that really well in her writing and on the first album, Gemfrey Adolescence. She's conjuring images of the future, which now are very real. So, for example, the title song, Gemfrey Adolescent. This is a song about a relationship, and it's also a song about OCD. I mean, it's perfect for our times. When it was written, people might have thought it was an odd thing to write about, an obsession with cleanliness and disinfectant and things like that. She wrote about identity before identity became so hugely dominant in the political discourse as it is now. She was writing about consumerism. She was writing about the degradation of the natural environment, genetic engineering. So I think she's more relevant now than she was in the 70s, for sure. 
It's so very tempting, will biologists resist? When he becomes the creator, will he let us exist? Genetic engineering could create the perfect race, could create an unknown life force that could us exterminate. Generally, seeing someone who looks like you doing something you're thinking of doing really inspires you. So for me, seeing women front bands inspired me to do music. It wasn't so much that she was mixed race because you couldn't quite tell that. She was very kind of light skin and it wasn't any, nobody was particularly interested in it because obviously when people talk about punk, by that what I mean is when white men talk about punk, which is kind of what that's all about, they only see it through their own lens and they don't see, it doesn't matter to them because they're at the top of the, the tree as it were. They can do what they like. So for the likes of me, I'm jumping through hoops to get there. But for them, they can just go and access these things straight away. It's a joke that me and Don Letts have, talking about being at the Roxy. How many of us at the Roxy? Well, five of us. And if X-ray specs were playing at six, you know what I mean? It'd be like that. She was important because there weren't that many female voices. And I think it was, it was the thoughtfulness of the lyrics the intelligence of the lyrics and i mean you know we were all only young but the thoughtfulness of the lyrics the intelligence of the lyrics is the thing that kind of spoke to me and also she was from my manor there's a a line youth meet at stockwell tube weapons rule their lives and i just think to myself well we're 40 odd years on from that and that's still not that far off being accurate for these days which is kind of sad so the observation was spot on they were intelligent interesting lyrics in a time when lyrics weren't especially intelligent or interesting i'm trying to think lyrically who else i thought was that good the buzzcocks were great lyricists i think of her in that kind of category Realistically, I can count on the fingers of one hand the female voices that were loud and actually got through in those days. Hers was very much one of them, and her intelligent, clear-sighted interpretation of the world around you, that's what X-ray specs were. I feel like I need a cup of tea. And a bit of a lie down after that. Oh, there was just so much polystyrene excellence to take in. I feel like my brain's exploding a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for listening. We've got a few thank yous and acknowledgements for this show. We do. This episode is part of the Your Local Arena project, which is a collaboration between Speaking Volumes Live Literature Productions and Lucy Hanna. And if you haven't come across Speaking Volumes before, head over to their website. You're going to find voices that you haven't heard of before, but you really should have. Go to speaking-volumes.org.uk and lhanna.com backslash your local arena. And we're going to put a bunch of links in the show notes as well. And a huge thanks to the BBC Arena Archives for letting us use that audio of polystyrene from the doco Who is Polystyrene. It was amazing to be able to include polystyrene speaking in her own words from that time. At times it felt like a conversation between her and us and obviously a conversation with Celeste and Rhoda as well. Oh, it just, yeah, we had so many questions after watching the documentary and they just really helped us to dive a little bit deeper as well. It was incredible. So you can find more of Celeste's work at celeste-bell.com and check out her book, Dayglow. 
the polystyrene story. And Rhoda's work can be heard at totallywiredradio.com slash They're both on Insta, Twitter, Facebook. Celeste is also really passionate about sharing the work that her mum did in her after punk days as well. So yeah, definitely yeah, check yeah. that out. And Rhoda's radio show, Pork Pie and Mashup, is so much fun. There's reggae, there's ska, there's dub, there's pop. Speaking of songs. Oh, nice segue there. <laughs> in this episode, we hear O Bondage Up Yours. My pick. Plastic Bag. Celeste Pick. And Warrior in Woolworth. Rhoda put us onto that one. And you can check out X-Ray Specs songs and albums at xraspecs.com. And we also wanted to give a shout out to Decolonize Fest, a festival by punks of colour, for punks of colour. It's got workshops. There's a whole heap of stuff that they do. Find out more at decolonize.org.uk and they're also on Instagram. For anyone who celebrated Diwali recently, we saw some beautiful lights and windows and heard the fireworks. Oh, yeah, fireworks. <laughs> yeah, so we just we hope you had a lovely celebration. As always, thanks to Registered Master Builder for the intro and outro music. And we always love to connect with people who've been listening to the show. So please find us on Facebook at Craig's Audio Works, on Insta and Twitter at LDN by Lockdown. And if this is your first time to the show, please do think of subscribing. Every subscription or review or rating, whatever platform you're on, helps us to beat the algorithm and connect with more people. You can also find more of Craig's brilliant audio and written work at craiggarrett.online. We hope you're all staying safe and being kind to yourself, whatever that looks like for you. So join us for our next adventure.